Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hello, hello, hello. I am your Marsha P. Johnson, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz, and happy Pride! We are family. Yes, folks, we have made it. It is June already. It is Pride Month. Put up the rainbows. Throw those rainbows on everything. Let's celebrate diversity. Let's celebrate community. And most important, let us come together and celebrate each other as the beautiful humans that we are. Because, I mean, life is short, y'all. If the past year has taught us anything, is that we need to protect each other. We need to be there for our neighbors. And we need to come together as a community. And that is what Pride is about. It is about community and celebrating our differences. And you know here on In Your Mouth, and if you don't know, I'm about to tell you, we celebrate, and I mean we as in me, the royal we, the queen herself, honey. Celebrate Pride 52 weeks of the year, 365 days of the year, because if I'm not releasing a new podcast, I'm recording, editing, producing, finding guests, putting out the content for you all, letting people use this platform to tell their beautiful stories of coming up, glowing up through a food space, in a food space, and then we get to hear their beautiful coming out stories, y'all. I mean, I'm a little solo on the pod today. I don't know if you realize this, but I thought it would be really special to conjure the voices of past pods and put together one of the most epic pride podcasts of In Yo Mouth you have ever heard in not only one, but two parts. Look at that. But before we get anywhere, I'm going to do what I do. And in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish y'all out there, happy National Rocky Road Day. Dee, 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 dee. I mean, (laughs) who doesn't love ice cream? I don't think I ever was a Rocky Road queen. I mean, what is it? It's like chocolate ice cream with like marshmallows and nuts and maraschino cherries, depending on like which part of the world you're in or which part of America you're in. And with the way Rocky Road destroys my life, like a top with a 14-inch doodad wood, I mean... (laughs) I mean, can you tell that I am ecstatic that it's pride? I'm just everything. Everything leads back 
to Pride. All roads lead back to Pride, including Rocky Road ice cream. But you're in luck out there, folks, because it's also National Rotisserie Chicken Day. Now, y'all, if you've been listening to the pod for a while, you know I love a rotisserie chicken. There are some of you out there that I talk about rotisserie chicken all the time and how, you know, Costco has the one of the best rotisserie chickens, the Big Apple Meat Market here in New York, affordable, cheap. You know, it's just like happy and delicious and it's so versatile. You know, a rotisserie chicken is not a top queen, is not a bottom queen. She is a verse queen, honey. She does it all. And I learned from a coworker of mine that if you get it home and while it's hot and you debone the whole thing, like you just, you know, take your hands to it and eat some and, you know, rip the whole thing to shreds and like get rid of all the bones, that you will actually end up eating more of it as opposed to throwing it in the fridge and then picking at it and picking at it and then being like, oh, this is all bones and I don't want to deal with it. And it's harder to pull because when it's cold off the bone. But if you get it home and immediately pull it off the bone, then you have it in like a Tupperware and you could throw it in your eggs in the morning. You know what? Buy a buy a cup of noodles and throw it in there after the hot water. Why not? Throw it in a pasta dish. You know what? If you have some salad greens in there, throw it in your salad. She is a verse, the ultimate verse queen. If you really want to think about it, she does it all lube free. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to say, no matter what you celebrate out there, right, because it is pride, and lately all I've been celebrating is how many cups of frosé I can get out in these streets of Manhattan because, yeah, it's frosé season, and I've, I've legit just been saying, Pass the frosé and call it a day. And with that, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna support you on your journey of celebrating whatever positive things you are celebrating, especially this month of Pride. And moving right along to this day in gay history, speaking about how all roads lead to Pride, did you know in the year 2000, Gay and Lesbian Pride Month is declared by President Clinton? He issues a proclamation recognizing the lasting contributions and continuing struggles of lesbian and gay people. He also calls for Congress to pass hate crimes legislation. Amazing. I love that he, yes, did you hear that honk if you love pride? (laughs) I love that he issued a proclamation recognizing the lasting contributions of lesbian and gay people. And you know what one of those lasting contributions are or what space those lasting contributions exist in the food space? Yes, folks, Those of you LGBTQ people out there know that we decide what you eat, how you eat, what you wear, right? What's what's on trend, what's out of trend. We've been here, we've been doing it because you know no straight man back in... You know, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabethan days was like, hey, wouldn't you think like these powdered wigs would be great? No, that was some homosexual out there. He'd be like, let's put on these wigs and this like low cha-cha heel and like go to court. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Like, it's great. It's really to hide the lice, you know. <laughs> that was some queen out there wanting to play dress up. And I am here for it. And speaking of pride and, you know, lasting contributions, it is a joy to come to you every week with 
stories of the LGBTQ food community because, you know, I always say on this pod and, you know, going back through these old pods, folks out there, it's I say it way, way too much, like about 40 times an episode, that our stories matter and our stories are important. And there is a big queer food movement happening that is so beautiful to see. And we have been here, like I said, but now it's really thriving. And there's so many amazing people out there doing amazing things. And it's accessible. It's accessible. People like Grossi Pelosi, Dan Pelosi, shout out to you, are accessible. He, I think, tries to answer every last message that comes through his DMs. And he's such a beautiful soul. Or Chef Denimit and Miranda, right, from One Hotel, just sharing his story and his talent and winning Chopped and laying it all out there. Laying his, like, really emotional coming out story for the nation to hear because Chopped is so popular. And it is such a joy and a responsibility. I I don't think I ever realized that. Or maybe you, you guys or you folks, excuse me, out there, don't realize that this is a grand responsibility that I now have like bestowed upon myself. Because when I started in Yo Mouth and went solo and whatnot... I thought this was going to be really gay and fun and campy and dirty and like, and you know, it is that too. But at some point it took on a life of its own and became this platform for people to tell their stories, tell their glow, their glow up, share their glow ups. And sometimes those stories are great. And sometimes those stories are beautiful. And sometimes those stories are not great. And, and, and we learn and hopefully Hopefully, I can inspire people out there and we, with my guests, can inspire people and let people know that they're, that it's okay, that it's okay, that, or that it will be okay. Maybe you're not in such a great situation and that it will be okay. Or maybe somebody's parents out there stumble upon this and hear, you know, um, Adam Ross's story from last week about being non-binary and, and coming out and exploring that space and then kind of going back in the closet because he had to get ahead in in the in this food career, you know? Maybe that'll inspire somebody and give somebody a greater understanding of it all. You know, Harvey Milk used to preach all the time, every gay person must come out. Once they realize we are indeed their children, we are indeed everywhere. Every myth, every lie, every innuendo will be destroyed once and for all. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And, you know, through telling these stories, yes, with the, of the food community, with the food community, hopefully, you know, whoever stumbles upon this that's, that wants greater understanding finds that, right? This is just one venue to do that. He also goes on to say that if you are not personally free to be yourself in that most important of all human activities, the expression of love, then life itself loses its meaning. This is why I wanted to come on and bring you a special two-part episode (laughs) of In Your Mouth to share these coming out stories. Folks, legit, it was like going through an old diary and reading some, like, Real, good, deep shit. It was, 
I mean, not like your teenage diaries where you're like, oh my God, he, why doesn't he love me? But no, it was like going back through the pages of like an old book you love or something. And I also realized that I say a million times per episode that representation matters, that our stories matter, that we are accessible. And I've already said it here a bunch of times, but I never realized how much it was on the forefront of my guests' minds as well. And it really was an education for me to see or to hear, I should say, them bring it up as much as I did. And I thought it would be a great place to start before we got to the coming out stories about to hear other people's opinion about why representation matters so much. And one of my favorites that I found in the archives was from Charles Chen and his episode from way back. Hey, Charles, why don't you take a listen to what Charles has to say? So proud of where we're heading and visibility. Podcasts like this is so important. So I'm so happy that you're doing this, Michael. Such important work. Just to share different perspectives and narratives. I'm tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. I'm sorry, move over. Like, we have something to say too. Yeah, um, you can say it. And per each of the good word, Charles, it seems as if representation, although that's why I started my journey, because I didn't see myself represented in food media, but representation in general was a hot topic for a good portion of my guests feeling like they didn't have a, a, a role model themselves, right? And so they're trying to be that role model. And Two of my favorite people, I mean, all my guests have been my favorite in very many different ways, but two of my favorite people, Chef Cicely Sierra, also of, you know, One on One that just came back on Netflix a few months ago, and her partner, Chef Mavis J. Sanders, were a hysterical just to chat and talk about their beautiful family, but they also had a really amazing thing to say about representation. You know, whether it's you doing Savor Pride or or whatnot, our stories, right? Because, um, well, two out of the three of us on this podcast aren't, aren't known for our television accolades. <laughs> <laughs> but to see normal people, normal, right, queer people of color doing other things that are not celebrity like you know that aren't that aren't like big time that we're we're normal people and we're do this and you can shine just as bright as we are shining right you know? representation matters what you see matters i mean i watched i watched hollywood on netflix and while while i have very mixed feelings about this show the one thing i did appreciate the one thing i did appreciate was like, we all need to be seen because not just for us, the desire for us to want to tell these stories. Seen and heard. Heard. And yeah. heard. Like, what if there's another little queer boy in, in a flyover state, which I just recently learned was a thing two years ago, like, who there. wants to do a, a podcast? Um, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That matters. Yeah. But, like, they need to see that. People need to see that. And I think that's why, like, because we just do, like, regular Black-ass stuff, but I think it's the heart of what we do and the fact that, like, we don't apologize for being a family and we're over it. Like when we, this is the only time we've done anything and our children haven't come in the room. Actually, uh, they've tried to. I they've tried to. And my head at like, them. if you come yeah. in here, you're going to die today. Today's going to be your last day. <laughs> um, so like that, you know what I'm saying? Like 
I think about there's a kid somewhere who will feel like they'll never be able to be a father or a mother or, you know, like it is possible. It's possible by whatever way that you get there, however you arrive there. And we all have our own versions of a coming out story and, and, and good, bad, or indifferent. Like we've pushed past that. We've made it. And like, so you can, I mean, I think that big and over the top is super important because that's like a large part of my life. But like, there's something to the luxury of living and breathing, the luxury of exhaling, the luxury of being at peace with yourself that like when you don't have that representation and you feel like the only one, it's like tough. I mean, we all know that, but like, so to see people in spaces that look like you that are easily obtainable or smaller or like how small is like cooking in your kitchen and with a family like that small is so big yes. to me you're not it, you're not agreeing with me. no no I am agreeing with you <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also like um it's also a thing of like a lot of times especially people of color and queer people like our stories right like when you hear about the history of gays like it's it's the it's it's riots it's murder it's you know all this horrible stuff that happens to people and it's never necessarily a celebration and that's why like like this is about resilience but it's also like when you see us out in the street like nothing nothing bad is happening as well right like it's not only like i need to be able to see this person no one's ducking and hiding but like they're they're out i see them continuously and they're okay yeah Mm. and this is what i say This is what I say about the podcast all the time is that I never know, right? Because this podcast is widely available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, (laughs) But but, um, you never know some some teen, right? Some computer savvy teen, right? In the middle of nowhere, randomly finds my Big Gay Food podcast and starts to listen. And this is where he starts or she starts or Or, they start. You know what I'm saying? Six-year-old men. Like, still, that makes me like, Right? Okay. And, so, and so this is where they start. And to see, oh, well, oh, oh, these are stories I can relate to. These are, and this is why I tell all my guests, right, that I'm going to ask you about your journey. And because your story, right, all of our stories are different and our come-ups are different. And they're equally as important because you never know who's listening to us who can take that with them. Yeah. You know? I never realized how many people felt the same way I did. Till I went back and and just gave a good listen to a lot of these episodes. And I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Hello, representation matters. Like we've been screaming it from the rooftops uh, as of late, uh, especially as of late. But it's it's just so funny because, you know, this podcast is a labor of love. And most of you know that this isn't the only thing I do, even though I wish it could be. But, you know, the the production process is so fast. And then you have a guest on and then like it's on to the next. And, and so I forget. And what a full circle moment talking about going back to the words of Harvey Milk and about being out and the importance about being out for greater understanding. And one last person I want to conjure to talk about this specific point, but specifically in food media, is the one and only Jake Cohen. The rise of like Giada and Ina was a rise of like, and I talk about it a lot on this podcast, where the food media, that kind of food show was very quiet and very beautiful and beautifully shot. And it was these stunning things. And I 
And I remember sitting on my mother's couch watching these things and just longing for the the days of yore, you know, Graham Kerr, the Julia Child, even the Emerald, like because it was there was more of a show to yeah. it. It was a lot more fun. And then not seeing a face like mine, right? Not only a, a Latino face, but yet um, a queer face, like an LGBTQ. And that's kind of where my food journey started. There still is there still of, isn't a queer face, you know, which which to me is no. one of the big issues in terms of why that those kinds of platforms forms are really in the past and i think there's nothing but like hope for continual growth but at the end of the day it's like i want to be getting my content now from not just one place but a whole array of voices and platforms that are going to represent the world around us and to me one of the main issues that we find and again this is in food media as a whole anywhere where there is there's like money behind it and it's not someone in their home kitchen there becomes this like translation of of whitewashing or just making it approachable for the idea of who the audience is versus like telling stories and having it be truly 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 authentic not to like a cuisine because I also think that that's a very harmful thing in this world of, of assuming that one person can represent an entire culture when so many of these dishes, especially ones that come from like diaspora cultures like my own, it, it's so specific to family. So the way that your mother makes something, a specific dish, can be completely different than someone else's mother. And and it's both beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think it's hard. Yeah, you make it's hard when someone's like, yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. is like, this is the recipe for blank. No, this is my family's recipe for blank. I hope you like it. If your family makes it different, that's also beautiful. And you know what else is beautiful? The fact that I have gathered all these amazing LGBTQ food people doing really, really amazing things. One person that became a friend and is amazing and killing it in the game is Sal D. Benedetto, the grub father himself. And it's the first time on the pod I threw a coming out party. Take a listen to his story because it's twofold. He had to come out to his family and then his huge following, which was a really interesting concept that I've never thought about before. Recently, you had a really major life event happen. And, you know, you're going to look at uh, back at this time um, in a really special way, I would think, right? Um, Right? Let's uh, tell the kids what just happened about two months ago. So two months ago, I actually came out um, on my page and, you know, told everybody that I was gay. Uh, But, you know, just a a little background fact for you, I actually came out last August to friends and family. So it has almost been a year that I've actually been out, um, but it was a long journey to get there. And I really wanted to um, give myself time to come out to my friends and family, give myself, you know, a, a year to to take it all in, to learn things, to understand this, who I am. And uh, before I put it out there to the general public, because I just felt that time was so precious to kind of like learn about myself and learn about the gay experience because, you know, that's, it's just like uh, living a whole different life. Boy, is it an experience. <laughs> it is an experience. So as I he, as he says, posting pictures from Fire Island, you know, <laughs> socially distant photos, socially distant. Yes, 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 yes. But, you know, you know I, had, I had that Fire Island experience last year when I came out. I made gay friends and, you know, they took me under their wing and I've been friends with them almost you know, for since I came out last year. So, um, 
you know, it was an interesting thing to do at 29 years old. And I've had girlfriends my whole life. Um, and it's been a long journey and just arriving here. And I feel the most comfortable I've ever felt in my whole life at this current day. Well, congrats. And we are here to throw a party. I put up the cray paper and and (laughs) there's rainbow flags. There's, oh, there's one up there. (laughs) We're throwing a party for Sal. Um, No, so this story is uh, your journey, I should say, is twofold here. And I want to explore it for a second um, because I always say on the pod that our our stories, especially our coming out stories as gay men, LGBTQIA people, queer people, um, are are each unique and we never know who's listening and who it can help out there. And oh, so right. and so coming out first to your friends and family, what was that like a year ago? And like what made you decide this was this needs to happen now? So I knew that it was a time because I had actually taken, um, you know, me and a girl who I was dating very seriously. We had broken up in January. So I gave myself that time. I think it was eight months between then and August uh, to travel the world to um, just kind of like, you know, take some time to myself and really look inwards and see like, what is what I want? You know, like, where, who am I? And when people say like they soul searched, I genuinely did soul search. That went everywhere. I was in Hawaii. I was in Singapore. I was, you know, in Monaco, um, Amsterdam. I did. I went everywhere across the world. And I came to the conclusion, actually, like it was in Paris and I was with my cousin and I just realized I was just like, this is who I am. Like, I'm a gay man. You know, this is where I, I can now identify it. And my cousin's one of my best friends. So she was one of the first people who like, you know, people I'd known in the past, I was like curious or like, you know, I had experimented, but to actually like say and say those words and be confident in it, um, that was super important for me. When I came out to my, you know, I, I came out to my friends and family, there was nothing but positive reactions. And I feel really blessed for that because I know that it came to a shock to so many people. Um, you know, I, I still deeply care about uh, my ex-girlfriend, and to this day, we're, we are like very good friends. But for me, that was really important to kind of uh, make sure I did it in a respectful way, in a way that respected like what her journey was going to be through it as well. And just like, you know, my mom and my dad had this whole image of me of growing up and having kids with a woman and getting married to a woman and, you know, having that life. So I think it kind of comes as a little bit of a death to the life they thought I was going to live. Um, so. I tried to do it as peacefully, respectfully, and um, happy as possible. And I got uh, nothing but great reactions. That's incredible. Was that a positive reaction or a negative reaction from the parental units? It was very positive. Oh, perfect, perfect, Uh, My mom thought that I was like joking around. She thought I was playing like a joke on her for a solid day. And then she finally like realized it. And then um, I didn't want to tell my dad at first. Just because like, I don't know. It's not that he's any type of way. He's always been a very accepting guy but that was like a very nerve-wracking one for me um and she was like listen if you don't tell him after you know a week went by she's like i'm gonna have to so like you gotta you know do something so i told him and his first words were like give me a hug and um then i told my all my family shortly after that and then it was kind of like known you know if you were my friend or i talked to you personally um i would never lie about it it was just very something i was like open about but not screaming per se on my blog that's um yeah that's that's incredible and congrats on that story and that beautiful journey of yours and I totally well I 
mentally as um, a fellow gay man here, I get this whole dad thing, although I haven't seen my father in, since I was 14 or something like that. Um, but so I never got a chance to come out to him. But I get that thing, whether whether accepting or not, like I feel like the male figures, that that impression of like, I need to be a certain way, whether they're, whether they're um, putting that on you or not, it's like that fear is there. And I forget who I was talking to about this on the pod not that long ago, about like the fear. It, there's just like this, and we don't know where it comes from, this inherent fear that like, oh, something bad's going to happen, even though there were no signals of anything bad happening, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and not everyone's so lucky. So, um, and bless. Well, that, that's ex- that's extremely camera. true. Yeah. So, and that's the thing that hit me the hardest, you know, with this whole thing was understanding that not everybody has that easy journey. Not everyone's parents hug them when they tell them. Um, some people lose their lives, you know, over it. So mm-hmm. that was definitely not lost on me. No. Uh, and listen, I threw my mother in the deep end of the pool. Jesus, I did. <laughs> Told her <laughs> one. Did you day. throw her a life, a life raft? Not <laughs> even. The poor okay. thing. But she's great. She 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 loves her a gay bar. She's uh, she's always begging Good. me to go out. That's usually how it happens, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's so, like, I feel like a lot of people I've talked to, they said, you know, my mom or my dad hated it at first. And then, you know, I had to kind of like lay it out to them. Like, this is who I am. And now they will come with me to Fire Island, you know? So, yeah, it's, yeah, in, yeah it's incredible. And just by the deep end of the pool, uh, queer as folk, because um, I'm just a hair older than you are, 132 days till my 40th birthday, by the way. Uh, and um, age. Uh, for your age. Right, what? Like the new 30. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. 40 is the wow. Like, Spoke, uh, you know yeah. what? Spoken like a I true gay man. Just shady. Just shady. <laughs> Just, you know what? A year into this, and it seems like you got the hang of it, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> I made him oh, blush, man. people. No, um, <laughs> Queer as Folk was really big back then, and I was really into it. And so I used to hide watching it from her. And then the, I came out one day, and then the next day we were watching Queer as Folk together, and she did not know. I did not throw her a life raft, but oh, she, you know, she held her own for sure. Good, I, I was good. talking, um, this thing is twofold because coming out to your audience is a whole different experience, I, I oh, could yeah. imagine. And what yeah. was that response like? So at first, right before I pressed go on it, I was just like, wow, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, I, I said I could lose a lot of followers. Not to say that, like, I think that the world is a bad place in that regard, but just like, you never know, you know? Yeah. And I remember the, I was actually- The internet a, is fickle. Was in the internet's a crazy place. And I was at 199,000 followers at that day. And I was like, all right, let's see what this does. You know, just like, I was just curious. So I pressed, you know, go on it. And at first I got a few hateful comments. I got, um, I lost about like a hundred followers, but then the needle turned and all of a sudden it was just like this outpouring of love. Um, and within like, I don't know, a few weeks now I'm at 230,000 followers. And I mean, you know, that's because of the food and stuff like that. I'm not going to say I came out and I got 30,000 extra followers, but I will say that I think that my audience really took to the fact that I was being authentic with them and felt comfortable enough to, you know, share this other side of myself. And um, it was a beautiful, overall, a very beautiful experience. And I'm just really uh, proud to have the people that follow me, follow me because 
it was such an incredible moment. It was such an awesome thing to have Sal share that with us because it's not something at least I ever thought of having to come out to a world of people you don't know because you're trying to live as authentically as you can and worrying that the 200 some odd thousand followers, 300,000 followers are going to judge you and and being afraid of what that result is because you've worked so hard to create this thing. Isn't that interesting? Um, shout out to you, Sal D. Benedetto, the grub father. Another interesting moment was when Charles Chen, back to Charles, hey Charles, came on the pod to tell his coming out stories and then turned the tables on me. Take a listen. I came out to, well, you know, before you come out to other people, you got to come out to yourself. Yes. Or, or, am I outing you on the pod? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I can't. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> no. Um, no, I came out to myself. I think I, I officially was, like, accepting. And, you know, I came out as bi. Like many, like many of us do. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not dissing the bi community. No, 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 no. It's like a stepping stone, it's I feel sometimes. Stone, right? And I think now I identify as queer, and we can get into this later, but... Uh, I came out as bi at age 17 to myself and, like, my two best friends. I was like, I think, you know, I'm curious. Um, And that was, like, the beginning of fully accepting. And I came out then to my sister at age 19. Yeah. And my sister had a lot of gay friends that would come through the house all the time. So I knew she was an ally. So I knew I I can trust her. And I knew that I would be fine. I wrote her a letter. Because I didn't know, I wanted to write out everything I felt on a piece of paper. And my sister is like a boss bitch. She's three years older than me. She works in the music biz, like in hip hop as the only like female executive on her team. Like she's just like very straight up. Yeah, shout out to you, Sister Chen. Hey, sister. (laughs) Yeah, she's the boss. I love her. And she literally, you know, as as a 19-year-old, I'm like, um hey, can you sit down? She's like, what? Like, what do you want? I was like, can you read this? <laughs> and like, so she read it and then she was like, wow. She's like, oh, who cares? And she opened up her, her arms and she was like, give me a hug. And then after she gave me a hug, she was like, okay, so we got to strategize. Who do we tell first? And mom is going to be first. Cause she's like very like, you know, she's like, well, good. we're going to talk to mom first and then we'll slowly come out to dad. But just know that, you know, I support you 100%, but she's like, I had no idea because she's like, I have gay friends and I had no idea. And But she's like, but she's always been very protective. When I was in high school and even when I was in middle school, when I was still overweight, we we went to the same high school and shared one year. When I was a freshman, she was a senior. So anyone who had messed with me, she would hung out with all the boys and she would just be like, Anyone who's giving you trouble, I will kick their ass. Like, I was like, thank you. So I was protected. She was very protective. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I love that learning how, how many similarities we have, like, kind of crossing here in the sense of I told my brother, I told a couple friends, and then I told my brother, and my brother was like, yeah, this is great, and can I be there when you tell mom? Oh, I love that. I love <laughs> well, that. only because he knows she would freak out, so she wanted to, he wanted to see that reaction. <laughs> but everything's fine in Wait, did you grow up as, uh, in a Catholic household, or what? Yeah, Catholic, you- Catholic Puerto Rican household, very Puerto Rican, and very Catholic, kind of. Wow, so well, I mean, we can have this conversation separate, but I, I'm just curious and I would love to learn like 
because you were ingrained with such religious, you know, upbringing, how did you navigate still maintaining a sense of like, you can still be spiritual or still be religious or a faithful Catholic, but paving your own way? I think that's a great question. Um, I think that I've never thought about, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think there was so much going on around me, within me and the household that I lived in, that there was really no time. It was like kind of something, something else, something we did, you know? It was just like, all right, it's church. All right, it's, yes, I'm in Catholic school, but like, there was just so much happening. My parents divorcing, me being gay. You know, my brother's six years older than I am. So he was, you know, he was just kind of out of the house already and like coming in and out and that dynamic. And so it just kind of was like sprinkles on ice cream, if you will, in the sense of even though the family life wasn't ice cream, you know, it was just something extra. And so although I'm more spiritual now than I think I've ever have been, I just don't ever think that played into me navigating life, you know? It it played into me coming out for sure because of everything you hear. Yeah, and I I I think a specific question I mean is like, how did you work through all the shame that was ingrained you know, I know as, because I've dated someone for six years and grew up in a Catholic, very Catholic household, went to Catholic school. So there's these ingrained, you know, things that you were taught as like being gay is a sin and things like this. It's like, how did you work through that to I, get to a comfortable place? Like, you know what? I'm a good person. Like, it, you know what I think helped is that once I, w- I went to a choir college, right? The, the gayest place on earth, really. Yeah. <laughs> so once I got there it, and everybody just was who they were, it once again was never a thought. And I've always been a, a kind of like, I don't give a fuck person the minute yeah. I kind of left. Like, I mean, the you know, the minute I came out is that it was it was like non sequitur. It was like a non. It was just not a thing, you know. I love it. it. And so, and and yeah, once I like came out of the shell, it was full speed ahead. What I love about that is that Charles turned the tables on me and made me really think about my Catholic upbringing, which is really funny because you know I spent a lot of time going to church and you know, in Catholic school, but I never gave it a thought because there were so many other thoughts about self-identity running through my head that there wasn't really space to factor that in. But subconsciously, I feel like I was at the same time. Chef Kate Pelayo has a really interesting take on Filipino people and Catholicism, which I really love. I don't really have like a really, really coming out story because as we all know if you guys are aware like being a filipino it's philippines is like 80 percent catholic i was born and raised as catholic and i'm very proud to be a catholic so i mean but the thing is the the norm that they were saying about being catholic is like if you're gay it's a sin that the culture of being filipino comes in so this is what I always explain to people when they ask me, so how are they accepting you in, the, in your country? And I was like, that's the thing about Filipinos. Yeah, we are very religious people, but it doesn't mean that we rather hate people. 
we Filipinos in general, what I I know by heart is even if it's it's not something that we grew up believing, and it's they say it's against the Bible or whatever they say, Filipinos by nature, they will still choose to be kind. So my mom, when, when I know for a fact that I was gay, she put me in an all-exclusive all-girls school. So it's like that, <laughs> that, that time I, I, I was in a co-ed when I was in grade school. Wait, does, then, that, does that uh, mean that my mother knew I was gay because she put me in an all-boys school here in, in New York? <laughs> Probably. Well, that's a sign of support, which we don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to accept that. I'm right? going to accept that. Okay. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> like, if you come to look back in your life, I was like thinking before, because I was in a COVID in grade school. And then when I... When I went to high school, my, my mom transferred me in an all-girls school. And at first, I was freaking out. Like, what the hell is this? Like, what, why? Like, but I know in my heart, I was attracted with women already. I know that. But on my first year, on my freshman, I was denying. There's some girls who wanted to, like, you know, hit it up with me. But I was like, no, I'm straight. I'm really straight. But in my head, I was like, in my head, I know, I know I'm gay. But I was still freaking out that time. So... But eventually, yeah, eventually I gave in, of course, as you can see, I'm very gay, but like I, me and my mom never talked about it. That's the thing. You will see it, how the culture comes in that my mom, we never talk about it. She just respects how my life is. She wants me to be happy. She always says that. I just want you to be happy. Do whatever you want. Take what, what course you want. I'm not going to pressure you or anything. I just want you to be happy. That, that's, she always says that to me. So I was like, okay. And then my ex came in. So my ex was like, it was a really bad breakup. It was bad. It was too much drama. It's too much lesbian drama. So anyway, so she was asking when we broke up, she said, well, how come I don't see her anymore? And then my, my, I told my mom, just blurt it out. Well, she cheated on me. That's it. And that's basically it. That's coming out. That's confirmation from her to from me to her that okay, I'm gay, and that's it. And then after that, she's very like, okay, flag everywhere. She's fine with it already, and she's very close to my wife. And I love that's that. It. That's beautiful. <laughs> and I love that you reference Catholicism because I grew up very Catholic as well. I went mm-hmm. to an all boy Jesuit school here in New York City. And, you know, you often hear, and you said this yourself, that like, oh, being gay is against the Bible and so on and so forth. But none of that is true. Like, I agree. Yeah, none of that is true. And so I love the message that you have relayed uh, that the Filipino people would rather be kind and accept, right? Because that's what that if we're if we're going to be religious about it, let's be religious about it. Because that's what that's what that Bible teaches. I agree. I completely agree. 100%. It is no secret that religious people will use their religion to promote hate as opposed to the love that whatever religion they are practicing um, teaches, you know? And I love that religion became a topic and a point. Obviously, how could it not? But it was... unprompted, prompted by my guests. And these conversations, like I said, are so 
special and on the heels of religion, someone who's ultra spiritual, whose food journey is actually based in spiritualism, is one Jason Goldstein. And not only is it spiritual, but it's another party, a different kind of coming out party we had on the pod with Jason. And we got to hear about his his spiritual journey in finding joy and coming out. And I think this is this last one of the day is probably the best one to leave you with. Not that we can qualify people's coming out stories, but just it's just so full of joy as he is that it warms the cockles of my heart. Take a listen. Yeah, it's so good. And you can even do like frozen fruit, like frozen yeah. um, strawberries with the banana and you make strawberry ice cream. And yep, you know, I do that all the time too. Oh, it's so good. It's like, it's, and it's great. See, you are vegan inside and you didn't even know it. Here, this, the king <laughs> of bacon burgers is promoting your veganness. Oh my God. Even yourself. Come out. My, my, come out. Come right out. now on this show. Don't hide <laughs> yourself. Come on. Are, are we having a coming out party as me yeah. as vegan? I'm still taking pictures of the blankets, though. <laughs> and I'm still eating them. Yeah. You amen. know? <laughs> amen. Amen. If you had to choose, like, the most joyous part, because I talk a lot about joy. Mm. Um, on this podcast and finding joy, finding joy through sadness, finding joy through the madness, finding joy through joy and taking those moments. And, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. Holy Hannah, right? Finding joy (laughs) through, you know, watching this crazy news happen and whatnot, right? And taking those moments. If you had to find or define a joyous moment in your culinary career thus far, what what would you say that would, would be? Ironically, the most joyous experience was the most saddest experience, which is amazing, which is exactly how I live my life, um, is that I was really sad about something, and I don't even know what the heck I was sad about anymore. It was years ago, like really upset. And I'm a happy guy all the time, for the most part. I never get sad, obviously, and mad, but, you know, I'm, I'm generally inside marshmallows and ice cream, you know? Um, but um, I was so upset about something, and my husband, who wasn't my husband at the time, just my boyfriend at the time, he was staring, we were watching TV, and he's the... He's the most amazing guy ever. Um, I lucked out. I actually met him in New York at a bar in New York City. So anyone who wants to meet someone in a bar, um, 13 years. And Wow. Wow. Yeah, My track therapy. record isn't that good at therapy. Have you ever been to therapy? Yeah. No. Have I ever been to therapy? <laughs> yeah. they, used, they used to call me the mayor of Hell's Kitchen at one point. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Mr. Mayor. Uh, <laughs> mayor Emeritus. All I do or all I... All I all my duties are now is to shake hands and kiss babies. <laughs> I like wave, that. But more like wave from afar. Yes, no, no, no shaking hands right now. No. So so I was like really sad and almost like fate. Um, Rachel Ray comes on the TV and it's for the next um, um, great American cookbook author. You couldn't be on anything, which I never, I wasn't on at all. I didn't even have, knew that this was going to happen where, where I, my journey was to take me. And you, you couldn't be a professional chef. You couldn't have got the culinary school. So he's like, we're doing this because everything we talked about even in the beginning, I've been doing anyway. Like, you know, I'd be exhausted and I, I'd Google and figure out, make up my own recipes. So he's like, you definitely can do this. So he took out his phone and um, we filmed it and we sent it in. And from there, I made it up to the top 10 and I had 30 recipes. And I was like, what am I going to do with this now? And, and Tom was like, you should start a blog. And I was like, who's going to watch, read my blog besides you and my mother? And, um, but what happened is, is obviously from there, I got on the Food Network and all these great things. And the thing is, 
is, is that was amazing about that, which I always think back when anything, I hit a roadblock in anything, even when I was on Food Network and I didn't win the show, you know, it was my dream. I watched every single episode since I was a little kid of that show. I always think to myself, from the darkness, something great is going to happen. And like, I don't even remember what I was sad about anymore all these years later. So it obviously wasn't as important as it needed to be. But from that bloomed such an, my dreams came true. And it may not have come true on that day, but I started walking up that mountain of success. And like, it just was quite amazing. So like, to me, that is my favorite thing. That is my go-to on a bad day. Um, that story. Don't worry, because from dirt comes flowers. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I always, I uh, my podcast listeners may be tired of me saying this, but I always say that we as LGBTQ people are like our stories matter. Um, and the goal of the pod was to highlight uh, people in our community doing amazing things, right? People who aren't, you know, um, Billy Porter or like they're doing amazing things. He's doing incredible things. Yeah. I love me some Billy Porter. <laughs> you know, I'm certainly not putting him down, but you know, normal people, like yeah. normal people, because you never know who's listening, you know, somebody, somebody a little bit more reachable, you know? Yeah. And uh, you're doing amazing things, honestly, because we're not represented in the culinary world very much. You know, you're there, but you're not really there. Like, you know what I mean? There's no nope. like... And and even if you are there, just like our friend Charles was saying when it came to the coming out, I told my coming out story on Instagram and I did it. I never even thought to do it, but he's like, you should really do it because someone's got to be listening or a parent's got to be listening. And just to hear them say like, yes, I love my kid and I don't know how to tell them and the things that we're saying. So like what you're doing here is is helping people realize that um, it's there. there's a great life out there and there's somebody who's got to be listening right now who's, you know, not in a happy surrounding like you are and me, I am in New York City where it's very accepting and knows that there's hope out there and there and so you're bringing that to people especially by highlighting our community so it's awesome thank you oh thank you thank you listen i'm about to i'm about to build a big queer cooking army right <laughs> right and we and we're just going to do it ourselves that's 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 really what needs to happen yeah <laughs> yes yes at this point we right sisters like the eurythmics like the eurythmics once said sisters doing it for themselves <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> oh my god i was gonna i was gonna close out but you mentioned your coming out story and we didn't really get there but do, would you mind sharing yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, um, you know, I always, I started out the coming out story with, you know, how I knew I was gay because, you know, that's the most controversial part that's out there in the news and stuff like that. Like, so I just said, I remember being a kid, a really young kid sitting in my Aunt Ruthie's couch that you sunk into in New Jersey. And I'm staring at all the moms and dads and going, I don't want that. And they're getting a it in my stomach sort of thought about, oh my God, something's wrong with that, right? You know, there was nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when you're a kid, and especially when I grew up um, young, but not that young, um, there weren't a lot of gay people. There was no Ellen and, and things like that. So, and then I remember from that moment knowing I needed to hide that, but not knowing what that was until I was older. And um, so when I got to, you know, when you got, when I got to college, I met my fam and everyone, and I, and I felt like I could come out. And then I was driving home with my mom from Maryland, my sister lives in Maryland, um, and one day, and she turned to me crying, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go, you know, my mother. Um, she was like, and she was like, you know, I know um, you're gay. And I'm like, I, you do? What do you mean? And she goes, I just know, and it's okay, and I love you. And I was like, and, you know, that was the beginning 
a four hour traffic ride. Oh my God. But, um, but it was great. And like, you know, she just wants me to be happy and stuff. And of course she was concerned, like all mothers are going to be concerned about things they don't understand because she didn't know any gay people, but like, you know, um, it was amazing and it was good. And it was almost like a New York city building came off my um, shoulders. But just to think, I was so afraid to tell someone who, you know, never gave me any cues not to. So that really was my coming out story. And honestly, even though I came out to friends until that moment, I didn't um, really fully come out. Yeah, I mean, my mother was the last person I came out to as well. And there's, yeah. a, there's um, I like that you said it felt like this building came off your shoulders because she never gave you any indication not to tell her. But I feel like there's this inherent fear yeah. Right, this inherent fear that you don't know what's going to happen, yeah. right? And so, are you prepared for that? Are you prepared to walk out? Like I was prepared to walk out the door, right? right. My mother gave me no inclination that that was going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> and my mother loves me to death, but I was like, okay, there's there's a bag packed, and we're going. Yeah, you know. And sadly, and so, some people don't have the opportunity of love no, mothers like that. But no. you find the best part about the gay community is you find family regardless. Because we're yes. all went through that. We all, if, even if you come from now, um, you know, where it's more open, you're all, we all have to hide ourselves into where it is. I just really love that Jason really hit it home and brought us full circle on coming out and coming out vegan <laughs> for moi and why representation matters, uh, this like spiritual journey of finding joy. And my favorite thing that he said is that, you know, we as a LGBTQ community, even if we lose our bio families, we always manage to find family. Why? Because pride is about community. Pride is about coming together and embracing us, ourselves, and each other, and, you know, celebrating what's different and finding our tribe. And that's what I've done here, I'm realizing. I found my queer food tribe. I've cultivated us. I've tried to put us all in one room together. And it's really beautiful. And it really warms the cockles of my heart. I can't wait for part two of this series of coming out on In Yo Mouth. And I hope you really, really enjoy today. Take care out there. Celebrate pride. Wear your freak flag high. Love one another. And thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth. <laughs>